guy goes to Hawaii and doesn't tell his coworkers. I told you. You just don't remember. Oh, yeah, but you did not plan properly. So you're telling me you don't remember that it's my brother's wedding at the end of the month? I do. I wasn't invited, though. But you didn't You didn't remember that it was in Hawaii? If if you're going on a trip, shouldn't you be planning when we record those episodes? I have specifically been telling shouldn't you for you? months about the end who, of this month. Who's in charge of planning the episodes if they go on a trip? We are all pl- in charge of planning episodes. Oh, do this. I plan this to recordings whenever you guys go on trips. I'm going to have to bring three outfits on Thursday. <laughs> three. I'm going to be honest with you, bro. Tell Even me. you don't watch the YouTube channel. <laughs> you just admitted it doesn't. You, I know, you just admitted it. Not only did you give us a one-star review, but you don't even watch your own fucking YouTube channel. Listen, That's I can't, fucked up. I can't believe I'm getting attacked when you and I both know who doesn't comment on anything of ours. Yeah, Arun, bro. This, you're, dude, you're, this guy, you're the marketing guy. That's I, the fucked up part. I wouldn't mind if you were just regular dude. We could log on right now and see how many posts he's liked and not liked. And he's big dicking us in the group chat, too. Big time. <laughs> Big time. Like he does it on purpose. I'm at the point now where I'm like, fuck this guy. I'm not ready to remove him. <laughs> Kick him out. Like he says it. Well played. Fuck. Good job. Every time. Let's go. Every time. I start calling him Sex Panther. Sex Panther. Six <laughs> percent of the time it works. Every time. Let's go. All right. So this episode's got a lot of content. Said and I were debating whether we should pull something out or put something in or just dock and wait. We don't know. <laughs> So, uh, I should point out, this is the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. It is the higher standard. That over there is Saeed Omar. That over there is Chris Nahibi. Welcome back to the show, everybody. And behind the ones and twos, the turntables, if you will. I would pay good money to watch him behind it turn some turntables. Yeah, Jesus, I don't think What would I do? What you? would you do? Eat? <laughs> He's not that guy, bro. He's lost 20 pounds. I know that, but he eats snacks while he records, and I have to edit the audio afterward, and I hear all the snacks. That was just yeah. the last episode, dude. I was hungry. I know. I know you were. Bro, all we have is fucking popcorn and beef jerky. <laughs> it's, it's protein and carbs, bro. What else do you need? <laughs> A little bit of fiber? Yeah, what would you do if you're messing with the audio afterwards, and you just hear popcorn popping <laughs> in the microwave? It it will happen. Yeah. I, of that, I can, I can guarantee you. That's a rune. I'm going to be phonetic as possible here. Harpoon without the P. Yeah. Hey, that's right. Not to be confused with baboon, but with an H. Which is the way he described it himself. So we're not evil or malicious or malintended. We're just quoting him. Yes. Okay, so to kick off the show, we're going to talk a little bit about the Fed. They're unlikely to raise rates in November, says Goldman Sachs, already just ignoring the fact that on the 19th and 20th of this month, this week. Tomorrow, actually. Today's the 18th. It so is. The Fed, shit, yeah. the Fed meets tomorrow, and then we'll come out with their big announcement on Wednesday. And I should pause to point out that your boy Saeed has had his first ever time using an inhaler. I did. And he sounds like he's gasping for air, not because there's a, a, a physical issue that's permanent. No. This is a temporary illness. Yes. Did your doctor tell you what it is? No, they thought it was pneumonia. They actually had me go back there, do the whole x-ray thing. Came back. x-ray? It was, yeah, it was fine. But um, I got in my inhaler for the first time. Very awkward and unusual experience for me. It opens up your whole lungs. Yeah. Get you, I, get you a little jittery. I feel, I feel the cracking like in my lungs. Okay, that's like, not this, a normal this, thing. This can't be good. Like Something your, is really wrong here. Your lungs are cracking? Yeah, I feel that I almost hear the cracking. I've used an inhaler. I grew up with asthma. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Oh, I think I got some type of respiratory virus. That's cool. You're in the studio with me behind a closed door in a room, just you and me. Yeah. Do you want to like spit in my drink while you're at it? <laughs> I'm too? doing it for the love of the game. You know I'm going to Hawaii next week, right? It's the that's the point. That's fucked up. Yeah. So I Bro, poly- we, we got in the car. The windows were up. I was like, so is everything okay? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So uh, I apologize for the last episode. If, if I don't know how much of it. Chris was able to cut out. No, I left it all in. Oh, the coughing? Oh. The only time I cut out your coughing is when you interrupted me. Yeah. I was like, this son of a bitch. Delete. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I left you hacking up with a hairball on the other, on the other, uh, on the other tracks, but that's fine. I figured it, it made it sound more real. Yeah. Yeah. This is not as, as raw as people think it is, but it's pretty close. Got it. So we'll jump from Goldman Sachs into why a soft landing can prove elusive. Great data there. We'll talk about economists and the S&P 500 and that they think will happen 
actually uh, sent you guys some stuff in the bond market the last couple of days. So we'll talk about the spread between the two-year and 10-year treasuries at the moment. Then we'll jump into legendary investor Jeremy Grantham ringing the alarm. Now, I will be full, honest, open kimono here. Jeremy is what I like to call a perma bull. Okay. Or perma bear. Sorry. Bull bear. You know, it's so confusing. Perma bear. He's always, uh, he's always kind of freaking out about something. So another Dr. Doom. He's another Dr. Doom. Uh, but that puts him in good company here. Yeah. Uh, I should point out that Noriel Rabini did not respond to my email request to come onto the show. Dick. <laughs> It's I okay. still love him. We're going to keep trying. I'm assuming he's in the hot tub. He's Yeah. Yeah. Talking he's, about economics. He's worth multiple attempts. Or he's heard the show and is like, you know what? They keep making fun of my accent. That's not appropriate. But it's out of love. Out of love. Yeah. I am jealous. I am envious. Yeah. Of his accent. Exactly. Sounds so sophisticated. And those glasses. Yeah, the glasses are a little bit much. I'm not going to lie. Come on. I couldn't, I couldn't rock those. Obviously. I feel like every time he has those on, his real name should be Dirk Diggler. What do you think you can rock? Rock? Yeah. These. You rock that, huh? Let us know in the comments over on the YouTube page if Chris is rocking that. Okay. I am vision impaired. <laughs> okay. I don't have a choice whether to wear these or not. Yeah, but you have a choice of what it looks like. That's the look you went with, huh? Mm. Mm. The density of your hair looks very light tonight. <laughs> I figured, man, this is bad timing up for me. Mm -hmm, I, should yeah. wear, I should be wearing a hat. Your beard is thicker than your head. Yeah. yeah that's a fact. That's the look. I, I'm, I'm preparing. It's a slow transition. Yeah, much It's going success. away. Yeah. This is going to grow thicker. All right, so let's jump right into it, shall we? Uh, the Fed meeting starting tomorrow and uh, ending on the 20th is expected to be uh, pretty uneventful. But I've got a lot of commentary here, which I think is a good kind of setup for the rest of the show. Mm -hmm. This from a Reuters article, Fed unlikely to raise rates in November, says Goldman Sachs. The Federal Reserve is unlikely to raise interest rates at its October 31st to November 1st meeting, Goldman Sachs strategist wrote on Saturday. While also forecasting the U.S. central banks would lift its economic growth projections when policymakers gather next week. Mm -hmm. On November, we think that further labor market rebalancing, better news on inflation, and likely upcoming Q4 growth pothole will convince more participants that the FOMC can forego a final hike this year, as we think it is ultimately, and it ultimately will. The investment bank strategist wrote in a report. Going on, Goldman's strategist, however, wrote that they expect the Fed's dot plot, which reflects policymakers' interest rate predictions and projections, uh, and will be updated on Wednesday to show a narrow 10 to 9 majority still penciling in one more hike, if only to preserve flexibility for now, they wrote. Right. Which I thought was an interesting perspective, but before we get into that, I'll go on to the last paragraph I have here. Quote, futures tied to the Fed's benchmark overnight interest rate were factoring in a 98% chance that the central bank would leave rates unchanged at the end of its September 19th through 20th meeting, according to CME Group's Fed Watch tool. And I would say that while the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and Bloomberg's WERP World and Straight Probability are not that high, they are relatively high, that they will stay unchanged. So for I, I would, this meeting. For this meeting. So they're going past this meeting into the November meeting and forecasting that they will, they will also not be increased. The odds of the policy rate, which is currently at the 525 to 5.5% range, staying unchanged at the October 31st to November 1st gathering, stood at roughly 72% on Saturday. Right. So you, you have... Goldman Sachs and their chief strategist talking about how they expect this not to happen. You're not going to have an interest rate increase in September, and you're not going to have one at the end of October, first day of November meeting, right? And they believe that rates are going to stay unchanged. But they do expect that there will be a 10 to 9 majority of the FOMC voting members, which still say that 25 basis points may be needed. Mm -hmm. So I think the rhetoric there is important to to understand do expect the FOMC to talk about there being a possibility of it do expect them to vote that there's a greater likelihood with their dot plots when they when they you know, draw the little crayons on the on the, on the, on the chart there's summary of economic projections but expect that not to happen unless there is something that is cataclysmic which occurs between now and the end of the year yes so let's just do a quick little recap of what's happened over the last year and a half the Fed has raised rates 11 times over the last year and a half to a 22-year high, 
getting the Fed funds borrowing rate to 5.5%. Basically, all that really means is they're charging more for banks to borrow money, which ultimately um, should be reducing uh, what people do out there in, in the economy that could potentially stimulate the economy. So ultimately pulling money out of the markets. You really do sound like you're struggling to breathe. I'm trying my best. I can tell. It, it sucks. As a guy who has like a chronic throat clearing issue, mm -hmm. I feel your pain, brother. Yeah, so ultimately, this is what's going on. So as of right now, 98% chance that nothing happens at this, at this meeting, right? And then we have a 27% chance that they raise rates in November. Not that big, mm -hmm. right? But there's a 40% chance that rates go up higher by the end of the year. Yeah, and I, I don't know that that far out speculation is accurate enough for me to feel really concerned about it. But here's, here's the point, I think, ultimately, why, um, why it's creeping up more towards the end of the year. What the Fed's ultimately trying to do is find that sweet spot, right? And the best way that they can do it is to pause a few times in between meetings, mm. right? And I think that's why they ultimately implemented that first pause, which was in June. It was June or July. It was June, yeah. Right? So it allows them some more breathing room. Having anticipated this perspective, I included the next article, mm -hmm. which I think really addresses some of our key criticisms in the show. Yep. So this from the Wall Street Journal. Why a soft landing could prove elusive. Odds of the Fed reducing inflation without a recession have improved, <laughs> but hazards loom. So I read this, and it became really, really important for me to show the chart that's included in it. We'll get to that in a minute. On the eve of recessions in 1990, in 2001, and in 2007, many Wall Street economists proclaimed the U.S. was on the cusp of achieving this mythical unicorn of a soft landing, in which interest rates increases correlated inflation, or corralled, I cannot read well tonight, I'm so worried about your health. I can tell. Interest rate increases corralled inflation without causing a recession. Mm -hmm. The chart, Arun, if you'll pull it up here, I found this particularly interesting because the chart was not what I was expecting from a traditional fiscal you know, or economic-based article. This is the number of Wall Street Journal articles that reference a soft landing. And you can see that Dating every year. back to 1985. 1985. You can see that every year they've, they've done this, in, in some years, way more than we've seen, but never at the back-to-back -back year cadence we've seen this particular time. The only time they were successful was in the mid-'90s, right there in '95. And it's arguable that recession was probably one of the softest recessions anyway compared to things like, I don't know, 2001's fintech bubble burst or 2000. And, well, the irony is, is in, in the 2007 range, yeah, there were still articles, not, not a whole lot of them. Yeah. In what was the single largest recessionary event outside of the Great Depression in 1929. You know why, right? Because mm. they were probably saying like, any hopes of a soft landing, throw it out the window. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> But Arun, close this, and let's go to the, uh, the other notes that I had here. There's some more data, which I think was really, really interesting from a historical perspective. The 1969 moon landing propelled the soft landing expression into economic lingo as we know it today in the early 1970s. Nixon and his administration officials sought to conquer high inflation without triggering a severe downturn, and they coined this phrase, which we've been using ever since. Since World War II, economists say the U.S. has achieved only one durable soft landing in 1995, the one that Said was alluding to earlier. Right. We steered the economy very expertly, quoting from the article, but in addition, we were lucky. Nothing bad happened, said Alan Blinder, an economist who happens to have been the Fed vice chair from 1994 to 1996. So to put things into perspective for the listeners— we went from a 0.25% interest rate a year and a half ago mm -hmm. to now, a year and a half later, at 5.5%. In 1995, when they accomplished this, they were in May of 93, they were at 3%. By May of 94, they were at 4%. Yeah. Took them a year to only go a percent. A lot of holding and waiting and reading of data, 
right? They didn't they didn't raise interest rates at each FOMC meeting. By May of 1995, another year later, they got to 6%. So it went from 4 to 6, so 2% more. But they took a longer approach, a gradual approach. And that's that's something honestly I I am Still stunned to this day why the FOMC has not clarified the approach they have taken to raise rates the way they have, which has deviated from every other single FOMC policy for every recessionary economy since then. There is a a chart in the article which Arun just pulled up which kind of shows you the cumulative change in Fed funds rate since the start of the initial rate increases to now. And clearly the, the, the economy that we're in now has been the fastest overall aggregate cadence. Mm -hmm. I should also point out when I did the mind pump episode, there was a lot of people who criticized me for saying this, that this has never been unprecedented. The fastest cadence or the fastest cadence. People were saying, talking about going from this rate to that rate in the seventies and this rate to that rate in the eighties. And it was 25 basis points every single time consistently or 50 basis points every single time consistency consistently in those two periods of time. But they didn't understand the aggregate lift we got from the FOMC and the methodology where it went 25, 50, 75, 75, 75, 50, 25, wait, 25 more. But beyond that, dude, it's more than just that. Okay, you want to attack, not me, but when you speak mm. on someone else's show, it's it's me, okay. right? It's us. We. It's us. We. They're attacking, right? When you want to attack us for something like that, that's not the point. The point was that it was accelerating at a fast cadence. That's all it was. Dude, I have people going after like You don't got to attack every minute detail like just so that you could show, oh, look, I showed this guy. I got to him. Right? Like What, what are you trying to accomplish? I think what it is, is is some people really geek out on this stuff. And look, I get it. We do too. Mm-hmm. Like, I fully get that. And that, not only do they geek out on it, but they take a personal amount of pride in how much they think they understand. Which, again, I feel like I understand a good amount, but I know enough to know that I don't know a lot of the things that I wish I knew. Right. And I'm still learning a lot of what we're going through to this day. I mean, when I got into banking and when I got into finance, I wished I had the level of knowledge that I had now. And now that I have this level of knowledge, I know how little I really know about the bigger picture. Right. There, there's so many parts with the bond market, which I wish I understood more. There's so many parts about uh, accounting and GLs and, and just reconciling and some of the basic core concepts of accounting that I wish I knew but more of. People really need to stick to the... So... The Goldilocks scenario that we've been criticizing, it's easy to criticize because, you know, Goldilocks, I mean, come on, really? Do better. Do better. I mean, come up with something sexier. We're going to have a unicorn landing, you know, something sexy. I can get on board with that. It's going to be gumdrops and lollipops recession. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, we've been really critical of it. And a lot of people are like, oh, no, you're one of those doom and gloom guys. And it's like, no. And I get that there's real estate people all over social media that are, that are, Logan's a great example over at Housing Wire. I disagree with so much of what he says, but he's respectful. He's classy. He usually has data to back his position up. And it's a coin toss. Right. It comes down to a gut kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. He may be right. He may be wrong. Some guts bigger than others. Yeah. And look, I so one of his core tenets is that he thought that the 10-year uh, uh, treasuries were going to cap out at about 4.3%. Which were at Actually, now? 4.25%. They broke through that to 4.3%. And I think they're going to go north of 4.4%. But there has to be an upward limit of where the treasuries go because it, it it could cause pandemonium in the markets almost as much as the Fed funds rate could. Okay. Uh, so there's there's a whole lot here that the Fed has to be out, you know kind of looking at that they haven't openly spoke about, and the bond market is certainly one of them. And to explain how seriously impactful the bond market is, mm-hmm. I have yet another article for you. I know you do, and that was a beautiful segue. Mm-hmm. But one point I wanted to get to before moving on. Is there was something? There's a quote from this article um, that let's see somebody somebody said that I thought was really important to uh, point out. The a big reason why a soft landing is so hard to achieve is that it requires some luck. A whole lot of luck, yeah. Because it's it's virtually impossible for the Fed to be able to know what type of lag effects and how long these lag effects take and how long it takes for. You know, them raising interest rates to work its way through all the different sectors of the market. Keep in mind, when they first set out to do this, they expected unemployment to reach 4.4% by the end of this year. They have since revised that down to 4.1%. I bet you when the uh, summary of economic projections comes out on Wednesday or whenever it comes out after this FOMC meeting, I bet you it'll be revised down again 
I think projections are they're going to revise it down to 3.9%. Now, you may that may sound like incremental, right? But we're talking about 500,000 to like a million jobs. Yeah. So um, that shows you that it's impossible for them to know. So it does require a little bit of luck. And when they're trying to achieve, um, you know, a soft landing, what they're trying to ultimately do is slow down an overheating, you know, economy. And there's so many things I didn't fully realize until we started like learning and going through all this that what can cause an overheating economy? So many things. So many things. And, and I have it a can list. Be masked so easily too. I have a list. And here's the funny thing about this not so funny, but all of these things are happening mm-hmm. at one time when only it only causes one of them to happen. It's compelling when you start going to like the red flags list. And, so we'll go through it. it out, yeah. The first one. Very common to all of us. We've talked about it maybe a thousand times on the show. High inflation. Mm. Number one, right? That could be an overheating economy. Number two, low unemployment. Mm-hmm. I get it's really nice that everybody has a job, right? But when everybody has a job, then when there's new postings out for new jobs, you're able to demand more because it's going to require you more to get you out of your current job. And it pushes real wages up. Pushes real wages up. Next, rapid credit growth. Mm-hmm. That's happened, right? How much lending has been going on over the last 14 years? Oh, it, it's a huge amount. And we're at the highest credit card debt we've ever had, the highest non-household debt we've ever had. Uh, proponents have argued that there is a ratio to aggregate debt and monthly payments to real wages, and that that ratio is in line with historical numbers due to the wage growth. I would argue that's the wrong thing to look at as an indicator, but mm-hmm. that's a whole different debate. That could cause bubbles in the stock market and housing. Two things that we know. If Warren Buffett's pulling money out, if, uh, what's his name? The guy from The Big Short. Uh, what's his name? I'm just going to look at you until you come Burry, up. Burry, right? Michael Burry. Michael Burry. Yeah. He himself is starting to hedge his own bet, right? They think stocks are a little bit too pricey. Okay, that shows that there may be a bubble there. Is there a bubble in housing? You bet your ass there is. I don't think it's going to come down like a crash 20%, but at the end of the day, it's unaffordable. Where things are at now, where houses are at now, prices of homes, right? Affordability is at an all-time low. All-time low. Last thing uh, that we can note is capacity constraint. So when when businesses, there's there's too much demand for their products, and they're not able to meet all the demand for more and more products, what, do they, what, what can they do? They can just raise the prices on the current products that they're selling. And then that demand gets met. Yeah, that's what happens, and that's what has happened. Just no, look no further than the car market. Or in the last CPI print, one of the numbers that we saw up fi- over 50% was mm-hmm. eating out, eating at work and eating at, at school. Up 50%. Dude, I remember a time when I used to go to work every, when we used to go to work every day. When you used to go to work in the yeah. office, you mean? Yeah. And I would eat out every day for lunch. Every day. And I'm like, now I can't imagine not bringing like food from home. Uh, when I was doing the whole bodybuilding thing, I always brought food from home. I, I really enjoy it, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's just one less thing to think about. You don't have to like go and figure it all out. Mm-hmm. It's nice. But the problem is, is that culturally, people in the work environment want to do what other people are doing, and they all tend to want to go. I will out. say that I feel like a lot of the relationships I made at work, like indirectly, unbeknownst to me, probably happened through those. Yeah, through food, through out-of-work activities. Yeah. Yeah. Fest of us for the rest of us, brother. Cornhole? Cornholio. No, we kind of uh, probably lost some friends. Did anyone approach you two? Because I know you two were. Two people did. Like challenging you guys? or like Two people tried to play us once and was like, (laughs) we got to put them to bed. Yeah. We we actually have pro court. We have a pro like cornhole like setup with the pro cornhole league bag. Listen, we're not just bragging here. Chris and I were so fucking good at one point. Mm -hmm. We were able to factor in the wind. Yeah, it was. We played outside because it was, you know, we don't want to play that amateur hour shit inside, you know, calm water. And it's like, what? Yeah. What calm is this? air? You guys don't have wind resistance? We used to call it out too. Hey, see his bag right there? I'm going to knock his bag off and then make mine in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a problem. But those are beautiful nights, man. We spent, we were out there late in the afternoons. Yeah. yeah those are, yeah, Good working. times. Well, uh, before Side ruined my. Wonderful segue that I planned before getting into the article. It was a great segue. You fucked it up. Sorry. It only works when I actually segue into the article. You know that, right? Yeah. You know, you sound a little bit like RFK. 
Yeah. Why? Uh, Robert Kennedy. I know, but why? Yeah. You have the strained voice. Why? Why is his voice so strained? Did they ever talk about that? Is there like a medical condition? I don't know. I don't know. I heard him on Rogan, and it was. It was How like was he, that interview? I never checked it out. It sounded just like that. I swear to God, like it wasn't <laughs> like he sounded just like that. He uh, he strains when he speaks, and I didn't know that about him. And mm. I, maybe I just haven't seen his stuff before. But you know, it was an interesting. Art. I mean, he presents his side. He's he's widely considered a conspiracy theorist, and I wanted to listen to the is whole. He's still thing. running for president. Uh, I think there's a there's a possibility of that. I, you're going to see a lot of the presidential candidates go on podcasts this time versus traditional media. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Uh, Arun's pulling up an article. RFK's. All I did was voice. type in "Why is RFK?" and look. Like, yeah, it comes up with RFK. Is a disorder? Like that. Is there a disorder? Yeah, you making fun of him? No, I I don't know. The Jimmy. Are you saying that I have a disorder, bro? Attention to a rare disorder. Um, what does it say the disorder is, Arun? Do you have you seen it? Uh, let's see here. In truth, Kennedy has a condition called spasmo. Uh, what? Dysphonia? Spasmodic dysmorphia? Not dysmorphia. Dysphonia. Dysphonia. Damn, that a sounds specific like... form of an involuntarily involuntary movement disorder called uh, dystomia. It sounds like they're calling him a phony. Dysphonia. And it affects only the voice box. <laughs> well, at least he's not dying or something. I mean, it sounds it sounds really hard for him to speak. I feel like that's why I probably didn't tune into the episode. I saw a clip and I was like, I'm not, I can't listen to this. It, it sounds hard for him to speak. I, you know, once you get past it, though, it's not a big deal. Okay. Um, so, anyway, the Fed loses. I'm sorry. Yeah. Fed losses. <laughs> loses losses. They breach $100 billion as interest costs rise. What? Can you believe it? This according to Reuters. So, you, let me get this straight. Just to be clear. We got upset with Silicon Valley Bank. We got upset with First Republic Bank. We shut banks down. Signature, Silicon Valley, First Republic, effectively. And we dismantled them and sold them off. Because there was a run on deposits because they had securities that were underwater. Oh, no. They had, they had, ass, they, they had these assets on their books that they bought that had a lower interest rate then they could have otherwise gotten in the market at that point in time for similar situated assets. Because if they were to have get those same similar type assets today, their values would be higher because those interest rates would be higher. Because interest rates have gone up. Interest, so the interest rates that they have for those assets that are lower are now getting valued less. But wait a minute. Fed losses breach $100 billion as interest costs rise. That sounds strikingly familiar. Let's get into it. <laughs> Let's do it. The Federal Reserve losses breached the $100 billion mark. Central bank data released on Thursday showed. And they're likely to go a whole hell of a lot higher before the red ink stops. The U.S. Central Bank is continuing to pay out more in interest cost than it takes in from the interest it earns on bonds it owns and from the services it provides to the financial sector. While there's considerable uncertainty around how it will all play out, some observers believe the Fed losses, which began a year ago, could eventually be as much as double $200 billion before abating. This is bad news, you know, for who, right? This is bad news for everybody. It's bad news. This, is the same, this is the same U.S. Central Bank known as the Fed that we routinely talk about on the show. This is the same people who are raising rates on banks and driving banks to the situation that we know we now know but, has downgraded many of them and has put several of them out of business. But it is not their job to produce a profit. No, no. I get that. But this is hypocritical as shit. It is. and Because, look, you're experiencing the same thing that other banks are experiencing. But those other businesses, it's their job to produce a profit. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. A prudent, sound, safe, ran bank would produce a profit. Yeah. But just because you lose money in a quarter doesn't mean that your year is lost. Mm-hmm. You can so, make a ton of money in Q1, make not so much money in Q2, make no money in Q3, make decent money in Q4, mm-hmm. or be dead even and still wind up being profitable for the year. So I, I went down the rabbit hole for the last three years mm-hmm. on how much they made in well, not the last three years. I only did 2019, 2020, and 2021, right? They made, in 2019, $55 billion. That's it? 2020, $88.5 billion. Mm. In 2021, $109 billion. And what do they do with those profits? Well, first, they hand out dividends to the... Bondholders. Uh, 
the not only the bondholders but the banks, mm-hmm. right? The Federal Reserve banks at all the different cities. So San Francisco, St. Louis, yeah. Philadelphia, New York, all all uh, twelve districts, I believe, right? Yeah. And then after that, whatever's left from their operating costs, they give back to the U.S. government. So that that amount is what goes back to the government, U.S. Treasury, anyways. William English, a former top central bank staffer now at the prestigious Yale University, said he sees a, quote, peak, end quote, loss around $200 billion by 2025, suggesting that the losses that we see this year in 2023 will only continue to increase through 24 and capping out in 2025 at double what we are at now. Meanwhile, Derek Tang of forecasting firm L.H. Meyer so the loss is likely to be between 150 billion and 200 billion by next year. Goddamn. The Fed captures its losses in what is called a deferred asset. I like to call that bullshit. <laughs> An accounting measure that tallies what it will eventually have to cover in a future event before it can return to its normal practice of returning its profits to the treasury. So long story short, a deferred asset is an IOU. Yep. It's, it's a loan. It's what Jim Carrey gave uh, Miss Swanson. Yeah. And Dumb and Dumber. There you go. Losing money is a very rare occurrence for the Fed, but at the same time, the central bank has cautioned many times that the situation in no way impairs its ability to conduct monetary policy and to achieve its goals. Mm-hmm. Yet another victim of an unprecedented set of Fed funds increases. If the increases were slower and more gradual over time, there is a very safe and sound argument that these types of losses would not have had to occur. Right. And certainly not as fast. So it's widely understood the Fed's two goals are to uh, produce maximum employment. Maximum employment. The maximum. And stabilize prices, a.k.a. inflation. Mm -hmm. Right? So although it's not... Their job to produce a profit, it is very hypocritical. It's extremely hypocritical. It's uh, the pot calling the kettle black, man. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, the Federal Reserve, which does have a regulatory bank regulatory arm, is criticizing banks for not being profitable when they themselves are losing money. Mm-hmm. They're worried about bank liquidity, bank earnings, bank capital accretion. These things aren't happening because the banks, due to net interest margin, the difference on what they're paying people on their loans, right? I'm sorry, on their deposits, and what they're charging them on their loans, <coughs> the difference in that interest rate, their net interest margin, is now getting closer and closer to break even or negative for some, some community and regional banks, even some of the larger banks. I would say uh, Schwab, which is what, the 10th largest bank in the world, mm-hmm. is really close to negative cash flow. Oh, yeah. We looked at Their yield is only like 2%. Yeah. And yet, the Federal Reserve this year is losing money because their policy was so hyper-aggressive. Mm-hmm. Because it needed to be done, yet we have not been told why it needed to be done this way. Hey, look, I, I'm all for, if the FOMC came out and said, hey, look, we did it this way because of this, I would feel a whole hell of a lot better. Room pulled it up. Number 10, Bank of China. Yikes. Uh, uh, Morgan Stanley. Eh, well, somewhere, somewhere in there. I don't right? know if Schwab, they, I mean, they basically operate like a bank. I don't know if they're classified as one. Are they? Ah, uh, yeah, they have a banking arm. They do have a banking arm, but... They have a banking charter, yeah, they do. They do, but... Whatever, doesn't matter. <coughs> Let, let's let's focus on Saeed's coughing for a minute. I'm so sorry, everybody. Please continue coughing. I'm trying my best. Are you? Yes. Why don't you just take six puff of that inhaler and see what happens? <laughs> it said two. Take six. Yeah. Get real high. Get real high. High all the time. No? I'm hoping by... That's the wrong... So- you didn't even... What was that? I don't know. High all the time. I get high, high, high. That's the right one. High all the time is, was one of the... One of the lyrics. Okay. You wouldn't know about that. Styles P, man, from the locks. Don't test me. I'm good at this. Wow. Well, all this said and done, there are concerns that all these problems are trickling out into the market and that we are sounding more and more negative. But I want to point out that as much as we may or may not be negative, but we are selecting the articles, I think there are some important things to be drawn from this negativity. Okay. From Business Insider, a stock market crash. Recession will sink S&P 500 by 40%, an economist says. Again, full disclosure, 
got a perma bear, somebody who's always been about the bear market, who's always had this perspective, a Peter Schiff, if you will, uh, Dr. Doom, Norio Rabini, if you will, same ballpark. That being said, there are, there is some interesting data, which I'll get into, which is not covered in the article, but I think these several paragraphs do a great job of kind of setting up the, the backstory. Okay. Quoting, it's probably starting now. Maybe it's already started. Schilling, who has worked as an economist at institutions like the Federal Reserve and Merrill Lynch, told Insider this week, his main argument for why a downturn is in store for the Fed's dedication to getting inflation back down to its long-term goal of 2%. Currently, the consumer price index, index sits at 3.7% year-over-year, while core CPI, which does not capture volatile food and energy prices, is at 4.3%. Schilling, who called the 2008 recession, pointed out that recessions sometimes don't start until the Fed has already begun to cut rates. Uh-oh. That's dark. <laughs> yeah. Dark and gloomy. When everyone would normally think like, oh, that's a good sign. Yeah. So just to, just to say it again, to drive it home. Yeah. Schilling, who called the 2008 recession, pointed out that recessions sometimes don't start until the Fed has already begun to cut rates. Rate hikes operate on a long lag, taking time to fully impact the economy. According to the economist David Rosenberg, 80% of the Fed's hiking cycles end in a recession. That's because what we talked about earlier, their goal is to always try to produce a soft landing, but it requires some luck. It's very tricky. It's hard to accomplish. It's tricky. Yeah, yeah, it's tricky. We got, I, honestly, we should we should just play rap every time. Every time. Remember when we, back in the day, we just had Yo! MTV raps playing? So good. So good. So good. And then it got really weird. The shit on Yo! MTV Raps these days. How do we stay focused? It's because the artists are just weirder. Yeah. Like, because they, they have to get more and more extreme to get noticed. Yeah. So, like, some of this, like, that that girl, was her name? Something Red. That She has, like, a red wig. And I don't know her. She shows up to, like, the football games. and she, Sexy oh. Red, that's her name. And she, she shows up to the football games with a big stack of cash in her hand. She's, like, waving around in her hand the whole time. It's like. It's so, like she's, a, she's an Instagram influencer. She's going to sell a course. Essentially, an Instagram influencer who's a rapper. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't really understand it. Trusted recession indicators are also signaling that a downturn is coming, Schilling said. One of them is the treasury yield curve. Uh-oh, we've talked about that before. Who said that? I think we have. Mm. Mm. Every time the curve has inverted since the 1960s, a recession has followed. I'm going to say that one again because it's equally as important. Every time the curve has inverted since the 1960s, a recession has followed. And listen, I know we've talked about it a lot, and I know it's hard to understand, right? If is it, though? It's not. All you need to know is what they're saying is happening right now. Well, don't worry. We're going to talk about how deeply it's happening right now mm -hmm. in just a moment. An inversion happens when the short-duration yields rise above longer-duration yields. Typically speaking, when we talk about a yield curve inversion, we're talking about the shorter duration two-year bonds mm -hmm. versus the longer duration 10-year treasury bonds. Yes. So uh, these yields typically go out of whack as a result of both a rising Fed funds rate and investors piling into safe haven assets like the 10-year note as they grow concerned about the economy's health. And this is also a major reason why you often hear us talk about 10-year treasury pricing, the bond market. And some of the, you know, some of the more complicated parts of the market that we don't always hear talked about in mainstream media. Sides and cough. There it is. Sorry. Gotcha. I'm trying. You see me holding and waiting for you to complete your sentence. Yeah, I know. I know. And I respect that. But I'm not editing these out. Look, I'm so sorry. Keeping it in here. Yeah. This is for authenticity, kids. Right. So basically, um, just a recap for what the yield curve is when we talk about the two-year and the 10-year treasury. It's supposed to be a riskier investment when you invest in something that's 10 years away versus two years away, right? Yeah, because it's, you're holding the money for longer. You're holding the money for longer. But when the pricing shows that it's riskier two years away than 10 years away, it's like, uh oh, what's coming around the corner in two years that we don't know about? I got an even better example. Okay. Okay. I have $100. You come to me and say, Chris, I want to borrow $100 for two weeks. Okay. I give you the $100 for two weeks. All right. I say, I want $20 back because you've held it for two weeks. Okay. 
Room comes to me and says, hey, Chris, I need $100. You give me $100. I need it for eight weeks. And I go, oh. Why'd you say do the 10, man? It's two and 10. I just thought it made it a more extreme hyperbole. Okay. And I say, okay, I'll give you the $100, but it's going to cost you $80. That's what it's supposed to be. Because you're borrowing it for longer. But what if you said, I'm only going to charge you $10? Then I would say you have inverted the profits. There you go. Well done. Thank you. Arun, are you eating back there? What's going on? Yeah, you're oddly quiet tonight. I'm very feeling very uncomfortable with your quietness. No, I've been talking a lot more than the last few episodes. I really don't feel like that's true. I feel like that's a complete lie. Yeah, that I mean, we are listening to the same show you are, right? Yeah. I got my eyes on the red dots and they're on. <laughs> that's all he's focused <laughs> on. That remains to be seen. Yeah. 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 No, you guys didn't ask. We'll find out. No, we decided that uh, if it happens again, we won't have to ask. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> that's what you did there. Yeah. So it the lights are on though, right? Yes, sir. You got worried there for a second. I was like, shit. <laughs> Another episode where we have to find a cartoonist. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Look, can you when you draw me, can you maybe look skinnier? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you floated that, huh? Floated what? That? Yeah. No, Rune floated it for me. Okay. He's like, this one's really concerned that his beard is gray, so just make it black. Yeah. And about his weight. Mm-hmm. And we, we've had private conversations offline about how we're going to make you look. Let's just say it's going to be very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> According to T-Web Composite Treasury Yield Calculations and a Refinitive Historical Composite Yield Calculation, the spread between the two-year and 10-year U.S. Treasury notes, their yields... It hit the widest since 1981 at negative 109.50 basis points in early trade. A deeper inversion than in March during the U.S. regional banking crisis. Mm -hmm. The gap was last at 108.30 basis points. That was how far. So obviously we're a little more negative than that now. Right. Point being is. According to the Reuters article, the spread between the two-year and 10-year treasuries is the deepest inversion since 1981, baby. Key point that I really think we need to make sure we clarify. Just because it is inverted, that doesn't cause a recession. It's only telling you that a recession is around the corner. It's an it's a indicator. It's just an indicator. You, feel, you sound really emotional about this. I just know that it's been in my DMs a lot. Let, let it if out. People get a out. little confused. Cry. It's okay. No. It's okay to cry on the show. No. It's not. Uh, there you go. You let it out. Okay. Come on. Oh, God. I hate this. Hey, what? Coughing you, like this. emotional? I feel bad. You should get your testosterone I can only, tested. It's not that. Transcend can help you out. Transcend can help me out. You're right. You should do it. I will do it. Why don't you get on a couple peptides? I should. Yeah. Start like with uh, MOTC. BP157896. Is that what it's called? It's BBC 157. Don't BBC. be disrespectful. I just want to make sure I get it right. You should be on some peptides. For all the working out, recovery? Well, from all the recovery. I want to get on that cognitive one. Yeah. What was uh, that called? Dihexa? Dihexa, yeah. I've heard a lot about that. I got I to gotta check it out. All right. So our perma bear back at it again. This has got a long-ass title for a news article. <laughs> I saw it and I was like, Jesus Christ on a motorbike. From Market Insider. <laughs> Legendary investor Jeremy Grantham rang the alarm. In his defense, the alarm's always ringing in his house. This guy. On stocks and a recession. He warned about the housing market and hailed Elon Musk's Tesla. Here are his 10 best quotes from a recent event. No, I'm not going to read you all 10 quotes. Mm -hmm. But I am going to read you four. Can we pull up this guy's bio, Odin? Jeremy Grantham. Yeah. He kind of looks Please? like a Batman, like criminal, like arch nemesis kind of type. No, he looks like the grandpa at Thanksgiving, really? at Thanksgiving dinner. You just want to hear stories. There's no fucking way, man. I trust this guy. No, you don't. Just by his, with his face. He doesn't look like a villain. Okay. Only he's, villains I know don't have hair on their bodies. Mm, that's hurtful. He's got an MBA from Harvard, so you know he's good. There you go. Say less. Mm-hmm. Co-founder of GMO LLC Group. Spouse is somebody Hannah Hannah Lore Hannah Lore Han Han Lore. That's a that's a weird name. That's a wild name. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely. He's eighty four years old. Oh, he looks great. In two thousand eleven, included in fifty most influential ranking of Bloomberg Markets Magazine. 
that was probably bought. Let's let's get down to the the stuff in the back there. Uh, there you go. Views on market bubbles in the 2007-2008 credit crisis. Grantham built much of his investing reputation over the course of his career by identifying speculative asset bubbles as they were unfolding. Grantham hmm. avoided investing in Japanese equities and real estate in the late 1980s during the peak of the Japanese asset price bubble and avoided technology stocks during the internet bubble and of the 1990s. I mean, technically, so did I. I avoided it. Yeah, I feel like him not doing <laughs> yeah, something is not enough for him to say he avoided it. But right. Okay. I like to know what he was doing during those times. Yeah. But whatever. I didn't buy. Hey, I avoided the housing crash in 2009. Did, can you believe that? That was amazing on my part. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're a Nobel laureate waiting now. I didn't tell you this. And I, I shudder to tell you this because I know you're going to go right out to the agency and try to get them to represent you. Let's go, baby. But stop. Calm down. That's Come the on. most excited you've been all show. Let's go. Arun. Promise me that when Saeed hits you up and asks you to talk to them, that you'll say no. Come on. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Noriel Rabini is represented by an agency. I reached out to the agency to get a hold of him, mm -hmm. and he didn't respond because he, he big-dicked us a little bit. You. Okay, me. Us. Did you hit him up through the, the, the channel or through yours? No, through my personal one. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do the channel. Okay. We've only got like five followers. <laughs> so. Yeah, y'all need to cross over. Crossover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby, I got it out. <laughs> ah, damn. In any event, they have this such an interesting agency. It's all about people you can interview for, you know, high profile gigs with really high profile resumes. They have a section called Nobel Laureates. No. Where you can literally try to interview them. Oh, he's coughing again. Get it out. Go ahead. No, no, I'm good. Go give it up. I got it. There's a whole Nobel laureate section. I was like, oh, my God. Saeed would be peeing himself if he saw this. And we need to. Yeah. We need to just go. I like, almost photoshopped your face on the page and sent it to you. Yeah. <laughs> she should have. I should have, but I'm a nicer person than you. That's not true. All right. Well, so apparently a decade later, uh, Tickle Shits limited his exposure to the housing bubble. Riding in Kiplinger in 2010, uh, Elizabeth Leary noted that many of Grantham's predictions can be confirmed by analysis of his past newsletters. In a 2021 interview, Grantham distinguishes between identifying overpriced asset bubbles, which he believes is not particularly difficult, and predicting when such bubbles will collapse, which he admits is impossible, stating only that asset bubbles will eventually end up at certain uncertain in a future date. That's a great, that's a great reference point for what we're going to read here. Mm -hmm. He's saying identifying them is easy. Identifying when they're going to collapse is really hard, which is why you're seeing such a dichotomy, such a differing of opinions as it relates to what's happening today. Everybody's identified there's a problem, but nobody wants to identify when it's going to burst. Right. So let's read four of his 10 takeaway points, which I think are valuable to you, the listener. I think it's safe to say by, and by the end of this year, we're going to start seeing some real, real cracks. I think you're already seeing it in a number of ways, but uh, I will uh, I will refrain from responding to that until we get a little farther along in the storyline today. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do that. This Are you prepared? I'm prepared. Are you? Yeah. You want to cough real quick while I do this? No. You sure? Yeah. I'll take your time. Go ahead. Go. Get it out. Dude, you make me feel bad. I'm not. I, I'm trying no. to do this for the love of the game. Are you? Yeah. Arun? He's doing a good job. He's just... Who are you tonight? He, he, he oh, feels bad guy. for me. Well, I told him let's just do this tomorrow. Let's do it on Wednesday. He's like, no, let's just power through. I felt like I didn't. Okay. Want, I didn't want to. I didn't want to reschedule on you guys. No, no, I got that, and I, I respect that. I, I, I like the idea of being exposed to, I don't know, the bird flu or the swine flu, whichever I'm one you not, got right now. I'm not contagious. How do you know that? Yeah, no doctor told you. You don't know. You have no fucking basis. Initial for that. symptoms were over five days ago. That doesn't mean you're not contagious. Yeah, I'm not contagious. Yes, it does. Where did you get your medical degree from? I don't know online. Well, Chris is about to go to Hawaii for his brother's wedding, man. By the way, if are he you ruins prepared? that. Are you prepared for that? That's a valid question. What if What if I can't go to the wedding because I sound like you? Because you care more about this than that wedding. That's why. My brother's never gonna hear this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. Wait, are you prepared, bro? I don't know. What to be prepared for he. He's asked me to be his best man. Then he planned the bachelor party without me. Told me he didn't want to. Buy, he didn't want me to go. <sighs> Minus one. Then Then I'm like, hey, man, like. Can I at least take you to New York? We'll get you a custom-made yeah, suit. For the listeners out there, if you ask somebody to be your best man, they're supposed to plan your bachelor party. He said he didn't know that. 
Maybe he didn't want to put that on you, which is very thoughtful. And then he said, "Well, you're not going to do a bunch of drugs." But with why us. didn't he invite you to the bachelor party? Because he didn't. He didn't think I would want to do a bunch of drugs with him. I said, "That doesn't mean that I wouldn't go and set up the party up, and then you guys have a good time and leave." Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not into drugs unless they're bodybuilding drugs, in which case, sign me up. Yeah. All of them. Go to Transcend. Yes. HRT. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, like I wouldn't do that. But so I'm like, all right, whatever. Okay, fine. You have your group of friends. They all went to Mexico for like five days, which, by the way, long time, but mm-hmm. all good. I said, well, let's get you a suit. And he goes, well, I've already got one from Nordstrom. I'm like, oh, okay. But that's like, yeah, man, come on. Like, it's your wedding, dude. And you like know? these little things, it's all about the experience of going to get it tailored. And he doesn't. So, like, I asked about, like, so do I, like, stand on the stage with you and he's like no 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 we got we pay we got somebody that does So what the hell are you doing as best man? He said nothing. You're just sitting in the crowd like everyone else? I I don't even know if I have to do a speech or not. And I got to tell you if I'm going to do a speech, I'm going to wing it. And you don't want me winging shit when I've had a couple of alcoholic drinks in me, bro. Just chat GPT, bro. I will fucking come out swinging like Grantham. Yeah. This is all going to fail. Yeah. see a bubble bursting. Yeah. Oh, this is not about the economy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, then yeah, have fun. Make out, make babies. Dude, I remember uh, my bachelor party. Well, both of you guys were actually there. Yeah. I'm shocked, too. Yeah. That was a great time. Yeah. Remember what we did? Uh, Cigar Lounge, L.A. No. Yeah. No. That wasn't it. No. That was, that, what was, was that? close. Yeah, we went to a barbershop. I remember that part. But we, we went, did we go to L.A.? Was, wasn't that like a Cigar Lounge thing out there? It was at the barbershop. The this barbershop was. No, no, like, afterward. Uh, we went to L.A. afterward. Yeah, we went to the W. That was in L.A. And then we went to the uh, Laugh Factory. Yeah, but afterward, there was, we went to some one place. It was very important for me to end up in my own bed at the end of the night. Yeah, I know. You made the whole thing very clear. Very clearly, yeah. Right, well, meanwhile, this guy over here, my brother-in-law, <laughs> is trying to take me to a strip club. Bro, that was Chris. That was I, get, get the, get fuck, the fuck out, out, out of here, bro. I, Everyone no. remembers it was you. No. no. Chris said it to me, and then I'm just the guy that says, all right, let's go. No, no, oh, no. Dude, no. I, I have way too much of like a clean. I couldn't. I don't want the diseases, bro. Yeah. No, it was. You we know what it was. Drop oh, dude, there's a better, <laughs> there's a better tactic for you to take here. You could have just said I was going to test you to see what you were going to do. I was going to yeah, drop no, him off. No, he wanted to go. To audience. He wanted yeah. to go. Yeah, because <laughs> his money don't jiggle, jiggle. It folds. <laughs> <laughs> That's song choice. I know, right? There you there go. You go. I got well it. I'm telling you, if I had like a whole like keyboard set up, I could be playing these songs instead of you know just yeah. doing a really shitty job of remembering them. Yeah. All right. The four quotes, points from Grantham's Market Insider article number one. I don't think we're in a new bull market. There's never been a bull market in history that started from such a high place with high prices. And by a lot, this is not even close. But whether we're going to go straight down and how badly, that's more of an interesting issue. I mean, that's a valid point. You can't. He's not wrong there. So I didn't put it in the show notes. One of the biggest separations I've seen ever between the QQQ, which is the NASDAQ, mm-hmm. and the 10-year is what we're currently in right now. So what is it? Wait, what is the QQQ for those? The NASDAQ, the composite index average, mm-hmm. uh, which is really driven by tech. So you could say the AI and part of that bubble, if you will, might be part of this. Basically on, based on like futures, right? Yeah. Well, the, the, the value of the market yeah. right, has gotten incredibly high. Mm-hmm. Some would argue it's 40% or up to 40% overpriced. I don't know if that's true or not, but there's certainly a divergence in what used to be a close nexus between the 10-year and the QQQ. And just think, like, with all the, the negative reporting that, that you know, you've been hearing as of, as of late, it's hard to imagine that there's only one way to go from here is up, baby. No, like I mean, that's 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 fucking optimism. I mean, yeah. I mean, good for that person. Yeah, what are you smoking? You are clearly getting enough vitamin D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have that kind of dopamine. At least not naturally, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're so good at this, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So his number four point, our number two, was, and I'm quoting again. I would be very careful with real estate. What? Say it ain't so. All over the world, the last 20 years of declining mortgage rates have driven real estate to really crushingly high multiples of family income. Mm -hmm. So high that young people can't buy a house. So I wouldn't touch real estate. This is so fucking colloquially simple. Like colloquially simple? Yeah, whatever. It's so simple and common, and it's so commonsensical sounding, yet everybody is denying this shit. So basically, we have degrees from Harvard, you and I. I'm not saying that we have degrees from Harvard. Maybe Yale, but there you go. what I am saying is 
is we could have gone. Yeah, exactly. You know, I feel like I could have been president of the United States. We were writing this guy's papers for him. I'm just saying, like, this guy, I would have said something a lot more eloquent than that. I've been like, shit's fucked up. <laughs> Don't buy buildings with the paper. Yeah. Hold that cash for that ass. <laughs> you know? I have a different grammatical set, but it's still the same message. It gets the point across. Yeah. Don't get your ass taxed. There you go. Yeah. Fuck um, around and find out. Yeah. Keep your money in savings. It jiggle jiggles. It folds. Yeah. Yeah. Number three. This is a shorter quote. I am very nervous about the economy. I'm very nervous about eventual financial trouble. How do we not have a Harvard degree? Yeah, exactly. But then again, he's not saying a whole lot there. I mean, well, that's why I save the best for last. Let's go. It's a little bit longer, kids, but it's just as sexy. The Fed and the economic establishment, the financial establishment, they've always underestimated the probability of a recession. Mm -hmm. They always say everything will be fine. This is not unusual. It's absolutely inevitable. And here they go again. It would be unique if we don't have an extended problem with the economy. Grantham pegged the probability of a recession in the next 18 months at about 70%. So, watering this down, there's a possibility of a Goldilocks scenario where we don't have a recession. There's a possibility of a soft landing. We know it's happened once. Once in since World War II. Yeah, in recent history. 1995 was the only time, and that was a very different Fed policy. Very slow, very methodical, very measured, very data-driven. And yet we're denying, we're denying all of the things that are clear warning signs. And here you have four, four simple statements from a man who's called previous recessions, who calls bubbles, whose bio says that he went to Harvard. Clearly we should have gone to that. Notwithstanding smart guy done this before. He's a perma bear. He's always negative. I get that. But even a broken clock is right twice a day. At least that's what Peter Schiff would say. Yep. But Peter Schiff's been saying this. Patrick, but David has been saying this and none of them have the resumes that this man has. No. And just to really throw sexy salt on the sexy wound. I got one more quote for that ass. Let's go from unusual whales, which I think Instagram only makes me follow because it sounds like chubby people <laughs> and they know that I'm into very relatable. Yeah. For you. It's, it's, it's what I fear. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, it feels like home. I am an unusual whale. Yeah. I'm glad I've, Got that out there. I've cleared the air. There you go. This from their Instagram page, which I suggest you follow. Instagram, uh, unusual whales uh, with an underscore between unusual and whales. We'll put it in the show notes. In the show notes. The bond market has broken the longest time ever with a 10-year yield, three-month inversion at 212 days per Bloomberg. Bloomberg writes, the bond market has never sounded recession alarms for this long. I am not crazy. I, I am crazy. Okay, that's a lie. No. I am not trying to be overly negative. I am not trying to ring alarms. I am not trying to cause people to freak out for no reason. Saeed is not trying to sound like RFK. He just does. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, these are real red flags that the traditional media has chosen for some reason, I don't know, election season, not to report on because people don't want to turn into news. It's constantly negative. They obviously want to listen to podcasts that are constantly negative. That's a different conversation. Right. And I get it. I, I, I get that people want like a happy, happy, joy, joy, like ending. And I, I'll give you a great example. How many times were you watching the old school traditional news and they give you like a squirrel on water skis being pulled around with a, you know, remote control boat. Oh yeah. And you're like, ah, or like puppies. Mm -hmm. You go, ah, after like a really negative segment, like murders, deaths, like, you know, robbery. And they go, oh, but here's a picture of puppies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, the news ends. And you're like, oh, the news is so good today. Yeah, exactly. They leave you on a, on a happy ending. Yeah. So we have to leave, we have to give them a happy ending. We get, we get, how are we going to give them a happy ending? I recommend massages. <laughs> oh, yeah. They make me happy. You, you getting weekly massages now? No, I had, to, I had to cancel them. Yeah. Can't afford it. Yeah. Yeah. You were going. Multiple times a week, right? No, just every Sunday. Mm -hmm. I go every Sunday. I can afford it. It's just, I got to tell you, like, um, I don't feel like I've earned it. Really? Yeah. 
I've been working out super hard in the gym and I'm I'm going like I'm abusing myself in the gym. Like it's it's at the point now where it's like I'm working hard. Odin's heavy into getting uh, massages too. Right, Odin? Yeah, I used to before the kids. Before the kids. When was the last time you had a massage? Um when my father in law was in town um, about a month ago. Oh, okay. So not as not as long as yeah, he's uh he's a full-time uber driver so and he never gets massages so i'm like anytime he comes down here i'm like i think you deserve one full-time uber driver huh yeah he's like diamond pass too or something right yeah whatever the highest class is like, lower back and you know like it's like it's like having his medallion in new york that's a lot of driving though man yeah dude. oh i mean yeah and a lot of seating like seated seated if, situations i can't i'm just stuck on stupid you're trying to be relatable and try to understand but you can't you know what it is? Is I, I think of like really complex like vocabulary. I try to water it down because I know I don't want to sound like an asshole. Okay. So <laughs> I have it. Oh, we're laughed up there and kept it on mute. What you know why he's, like, he's laughing because it's like, oh, you're trying to sound like the rest of us, but you can't. Is that what you're saying? I'm trying to sound oh. stupid like you people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let the arrogant comments flow in, baby. It's not arrogant comments. That's man. arrogant comments. You know, I, I read a lot, so I try to use a lot of the words that I read, and, you know, sometimes I fuck them up. Yeah. So. I try to, like, stop myself before I fuck him up and make an idiot of myself. So I go back to, you know, my normal. Do you remember when you first started that? Yeah. SAT vocabulary. When I started studying for the SAT. In high school, yeah. I, I, um, when I started studying for the SAT, which did not get a great score on. I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't great. Um, I wasn't that great either. It was, like, on the low 1200s. Pretty <laughs> really? I, yeah. I have no idea. About it. I think yeah. probably lower. I think this, the grading system has changed now. Yeah, scoring system is different now. Yeah. But um, I... I I made it a point since then to try to like really find interesting words and understand them mm-hmm. um, and try to incorporate them into my lexicon, if you will. But I can't spell for shit. Yeah. I cannot spell to save my ass. If it weren't for Siri, I'd be fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Siri, how do you spell kumquat? <laughs> you know, stuff like that. What? Kumquat. <laughs> kumquat. <laughs> quat. There's no D in the quat, you know what I mean? That- <laughs> <laughs> and Saeed has officially lost it. That's it. <laughs> God damn! <laughs> all it took was kumquat. That's it. <laughs> That's how you of broke loose. Of all the words, of all the words, ruined. Why are you not googling kumquat? <laughs> yeah, seriously. What are you doing back there? Because he doesn't know how to spell it. He doesn't know how to spell it. That's why. No idea how to spell it. <laughs> Just type out you think it's spelled. Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's do see it. What you got Google kumquat. Spell however you want, and make sure it's it's on the screen so everyone can see. Yeah, don't spell it dirty, you fucking dirty bird. There it is. Come. Quad. There is the D in the quad. Kumquat. Oh, there's nope. K U M Q U A T. Mm-hmm. Oh, what go back to the one you just had it on? There's another spelling too. It's a fruit. Oh yeah. There's kumquad. Q U A D. Okay, so we were both right. Boom. There you go. And Jamie would not wind up on Shutterstock for royalty free. So the little tiny oranges. There you go. I don't like oranges like texture wise. I like the flavor i just don't like the yeah. texture not a yeah, big orange not guy not a big orange guy all right so uh arun let me walk you through a hypothetical and i want you to be honest with me okay and your family doesn't listen to the show so it's fine <laughs> that's a nice little um let's say you and your father-in-law go get a massage and let's say i know where this is going let's say everyone knows where it's going yeah everyone knows where it's going this is not like unpredictable here right Let's say uh, he pays, and it's it's his decision. You go in, and you get offered a happy ending, which you, as a happily married man, don't take. Right, you, you don't say, need that. You say, "I, whoa, this this I I I am I I am appalled. I am never coming back to this establishment ever again." Right, Is Jerry Jones here. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Jesus, and then you go, you leave, right? You get in the car. Wait, wait, hold on. By the, I think that was Robert Kraft. Was it Robert Kraft? Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's correct that. Uh, I'm not the sports guy. Yeah. I just I knew it was somebody. Anyway. Jeremy Jones is accused of being a racist. Oh. Accused. I said it. What? It hasn't been, it hasn't been confirmed. How do you confirm that, really? If he doubles down, he's like, yeah, I was. But he, no, he never did that. Like Donald Sterling? <laughs> yeah. Like Donald Sterling. Yeah. Piece of shit. <laughs> Wow, came out firing. Well, fuck that guy, bro. I don't remember he what was. he did. I remember it was pretty bad. What was it? What did he do again? He got caught like on some tape recordings on, um, I don't even want to get into it. It was bad. Okay, yeah, it was bad. Yeah. I remember it was bad. I don't, I don't remember the full details. I just remember like, oh, God, Jesus Christ. And then I just, anyway. Yeah. So, Arun, all right. You go to the car. You get in the car. 
And obviously you're morally appalled by what happened, but you didn't pick the massage place. You didn't, uh, pay for anything. Right. What do you say to your father-in-law? Why'd you get off 15 minutes later? <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, but I tried to set you up for a good angelic ending. And here you go saying some nasty shit. Like you that, did not, bro. <laughs> you tried to set him up for the, I know, man. <laughs> I'm just trying to get him engaged. The only thing that got him engaged the whole show was Kumquat. Damn, bro, he gave his he he like dissed his father-in-law and complimented him in the same in the same sentence. Fifteen minutes. I mean, you got to get diamonds start rating somehow, right, dude? I mean, like, damn. Yeah. All right. His coughing too. Well, I got. I fight. swear to God, if I want a fucking coughing in Hawaii, I'm gonna fucking kill you. You're welcome. I, I low key will be happy. I got. I'm getting. I low key don't don't. You're not Chris, that age, bro. Chris, Check your riz the door, son. Chris. <laughs> And that is why Chris, you didn't get invited to. Yeah, Chris, hold on. <laughs> That's why I can't give a speech. Listen, we all know you're an introvert, okay? I am an introvert, yeah. You can use the cough to get out of all the things you don't want to be a part of. Hey, guys, I would love to come with you guys and do copious amounts of illegal drugs in uh, another state, but I, I just, I, I'm afraid I'm going to cough and yeah. get you guys all sick. Can't do that. Yeah, I don't know if it's COVID or not. I don't have any tests. Right. Yeah. You guys got any dinners uh, set up? Uh, yeah, my wife's got a ton of stuff set up. Wait, so what island are you guys going to? Kauai. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, uh, if I have to give a speech, I'm going to high key use age appropriate vernacular to check everyone's riz. You know, when you, when you do it, it's very condescending. How many people are going to this wedding? What are you talking about? I'm giving vibes, bro. No, that's a little dated. No, it's not. I'm giving vibes. You're giving vibes. No. No, your version of it is dated. Like, you think vibes is old. I am giving vibes. It's I'm throwing off vibes. Okay. Right. You're throwing off vibes, meaning the vibes are going down. No, no, no. No, throwing off vibes mean I'm throwing off, like, good. Good vibes. You're, yeah. No, no. Jesus Christ. Okay, I can tell this is going to be very difficult to explain to you. Yeah. Like, it's giving, and then you say something, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning that it's making me feel... A certain type of way. Bro, you lost me. That's it. I've checked out. Okay, well, say it. Yeah. All right, everybody. Are doing anything else? Nope. Head on over to Apple or Spotify. Leave us an honest five-star review. Head over to the YouTube channel. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Like all the good stuff. Until next time. Good night, everybody. Sorry, it's giving trauma. Bye. <laughs>